Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of season three of the Redbrick Recap podcast. My name is Jasmine Sandar and I am the deputy editor of Redbrick, which is the University of Birmingham's student publication. In this episode, we have our sport and science and technology sections crossover to talk about VAR and other reviewing technologies in a variety of sports, including football, rugby, cricket, hockey and karate. Sports editors Oscar Frost and Lauren Kaufman and science and technology editors Elliot Hayward and Daniel Bray debate whether technology has had a positive or negative impact on sport. I hope you enjoy listening to the episode for this month. So, welcome to the episode of the Redbrick Recap Podcast with the Sport and Science Tech Editors. Uh, I'm Oscar Frost. I'm Lauren Kaufman. I'm Elliot Haywood. And I'm Daniel Bray. And today we thought that we would have a crossover between sport and science tech and essentially answer the question of whether tech um, improves sport or whether it inhibits sort of the quality of the game. And I think uh, it's only right that we start off our conversation with football. Um, and the first point of conversation is goal line technology, because uh, I feel as though goal line technology is something that people unequivocally seem to like. Yeah, well, I think with goal line technology, it's quite hard to get it wrong. Like there's very little subjectivity involved because whereas with like a foul or something it's a lot about the referee's interpretation whereas when you've got just whether the ball's crossed the line it's, it's quite easy to say yes or no to that yeah i guess there, there's never really a mistake that sort of the ball was over the line but you should have called it not over the line well i mean yeah there was one last season um, but <laughs> or the season before but we'll ignore that i guess <laughs> one mistake in, in quite a few years of use isn't, yeah isn't the worst thing yeah, I think, I mean, I can't claim to know tons about the science behind the technology, but um, yeah, pretty much, I think it's pretty kind of unanimous that goal line technology has improved the game of football. Um, yeah, I mean, they kind of set right away what the line was, where the ball had to be in order to be kind of a goal or not a goal. And they have their kind of fan- fancy watch that <laughs> that buzzes if it's in or not. Um, and yeah, I think on the whole... I would say, you know, it's a massive improvement to the game. I mean, as someone that watches a lot of women's football, they don't have goal line technology, which is not their fault. Essentially, the grounds used in women's football in even the Women's Super League, the top league in um, the UK, they're not grounds that can that have the kind of facilities to have goal line technology. And you really, really see the effects. I mean, there's been massive games in the league like you know games that could decide titles games that can decide relegation spots um where goals that are clearly over the line have been have been kind of ruled out um because it's essentially just up to the subjectivity of the referee rather than very clear technology so i think it's pretty pretty unanimous on that one i'd say yeah i I think it is i mean there's sort of an aspect as well within football that sort of seems as though it should have the same sort of lack of subjectivity but the offside and VAR is a really interesting one I think because sort of with the goal line technology you you just have the goal you know exactly where to put the cameras but for something like offside I mean we've seen some howlers with sort of people without VAR but we've also seen lots of howlers with VAR so I was wondering especially you science tech guys like how, how would you improve it like you know do you think it's good? Um, I don't think it's hard to say what you'd improve I mean it comes down to the, the subjectivity, like you say, with with um, when VR was first introduced, there was this debate about it has to be clear and obvious. 
obviously when it comes to goal line technology it is clear and obvious because there's there, there's a clear rule there you can clearly see if the ball's over the line but when it comes to VAR you don't have that you, you can't it's all about subjectivity so it's hard to see how technology itself would would be able to improve that because at the end of the day it does come down to the discretion of the officials yeah what I'd say is that this is something that FIFA as well are very aware of um, Arsene Wenger the ex-Arsenal manager um, he works for FIFA now in um, a more official capacity and he's been a great proponent of changing the offside law to give more benefit of the doubt to the attackers um, but what we find is that this wouldn't actually change the situation in terms of VAR because you're just changing the point where they draw the lines essentially from one part of the body to another part and so they are trying out new things for example in the Club World Cup earlier this year they tried out what they're calling semi-automated offsides, where they have cameras um, at the top of the stadium looking down onto the pitch, and they use some pretty clever AI to um, basically draw out 3D like skeletons, if you like, of people's bodies, and they can use that to draw the lines much quicker. But the thing is, they still have to be overseen by the VAR, and they still have to say, yes, yeah, you need to look at this. So while that might help with, say, the timing involved with dealing with like decisions like this, you're still going to have the subjectivity, which is just very hard for fans to stomach inside the stadium and at home, especially when you can see the replays and have this disagreement about it. Yeah, I think the issue for me is that no one seems to know the rules, and that's the problem. If you look at goal line technology, which we just spoke about, it's very clear the ball's either over the line or it's not. But if you look at, for example, offsides, which is probably... The, I'd say the biggest contentious issue of VAR at the moment. No one knows what the rules are. Where is it? What point is that? As you said, they're constantly trying new things or deciding new points at which they draw the line. Is it kind of is it is it the shoulder? Is it the baby toe? Is it the armpit? I think they're all ones we've had this season alone. And if no one knows the rules, we're just back in the same place. Because ultimately, yeah, we're using technology, and yeah, there's people with up in up in the studio with access to more cameras and more angles but ultimately the issue before VAR that people didn't like is that it was one ref making a subjective decision and it's still decisions made by humans whereas goal line technology is a decision made by a piece of tech solely whereas it's still kind of three or four guys up in a studio looking at all these cameras but ultimately coming to a human decision that if the rules aren't clear and the rules aren't set it's still going to lead to a lot of subjectivity and human error. Well, what I think would be a lot better is if people could actually hear the decision process that goes on inside the um, head of the VAR and of the actual on-field main um, referee as well. So like, if you take rugby as an example, the TMO system, they use that um, to do essentially the same purpose as VAR in football. But you can hear in the stadium and on TV the communication between the two people. Like, and it's clear and they give reasoning behind it as well and sometimes you can even hear them just explaining it to the players and what it does is it just makes all the fans at home I think slightly less able to then go on Twitter or whatever and start making a storm saying oh they don't know this they don't know this because they can actually see oh yeah they do know this they've said why this is happening and although there are still the occasional like controversial decision and stuff in rugby I feel like you hear about it a lot less 
I feel like it's a lot easier to kind of agree with, or not even agree with, but accept a decision when you can hear the thought process behind it. So sort of, as you were saying with TMO, you know, you can sort of see, even if you don't agree with the with the um, call that's actually been made, it's still sort of, you can see why the ref has made that call. So you can say sort of, you know, I disagree, but, you know, there's still that extra level. Whereas in football, you know, they just call things as they see it. Um, and sort of the only thing that you have to argue against is the call as opposed to the thought process behind it. Um, I mean, that kind of reflects a lot on football and rugby and their differences in general. I mean, do we want football players on the mic? Because um, I think there'll be quite a few apologies for bad language on, on telly, whereas rugby is sort of a lot more renowned for its respect to the referees, I guess. But that's a whole other whole nother issue. Yeah, I think it's also a difficulty when you're talking about um, kind of hearing the, the, the thought process of the referees. When it comes to kind of offside decisions, the decision essentially comes down to this is the angle the referees have been given and they think it's offside. There's not really much to explain there. So maybe that's a bit of a difference that is a bit of a barrier to that in football um, because you, the, the the only real explanation is going to be this is what I've seen, this is, this is how I see it and everyone's going to have a completely different opinion on that. Yeah, I think as well the kind of contrast with rugby and TMO is even bigger because in the football uh, in football at the moment it's kind of VAR's kind of, kind of been renowned for the kind of waiting game that you see in stadiums like if, if I'm sat watching it in TV I can at least see the angles I can see the lines being drawn um, up in the, in the VAR studio whereas if you're sat in a ground um, watching it happen all you hear is kind of a little voiceover saying okay this is this decision is going to VAR and that silly purple screen coming up saying VAR decision pending and then you're sat waiting for anything between 30 seconds and you know five minutes waiting for this call that could define a game and I think yeah it's not even just that you can't hear step by step what the ref is saying you have no clue whatsoever is going on I mean maybe that speaks to a, a different issue which we're not going to touch on about you know TV fans being prioritised over, you know, match-going fans, but it definitely makes the issue more stark, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just makes technology more difficult in general. I mean, sort of it seems as though the blame's gone... Well, it's sort of still on the referee, but it's sort of just spread across the referee and the referees up in up in the offices looking at the VAR. Um, there's sort of always a finger that you want to point. Um, and again you know with with football and offsides and things like that a lot of the time it is so marginal um which is very difficult i mean as a cricket fan myself um it it's sort of not exactly the same thing but with a ball hitting the stumps on drs at the end of the day that's a projection um so you know i mean you you have it going both ways and there's subjectivity with technology in every sport um i mean even goal line technology a lot of the time that's still a projection of where the ball's going to be, say if there are sort of legs in the way and things like that. Um, you know, there, there's a high chance that they'll get it right, but there is always that sort of issue that they could get it wrong like they did last season. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting about VAR this season has been the kind of increase of referees going to the monitor, which I think personally is an improvement. Um, I mean, again, it's still just up to the subjectivity of the ref and the people in the VAR studio. Um, but to be able to see that the ref is engaging with those decisions and engaging with the kind of lines that have been drawn or the potential that a decision might be wrong, I think kind of adds to it. It it, it gives another kind of assurance to the fans that, that they are checking and that there, it is something that the ref has agreed with rather than just like a voice in his ear that he's then just just signaled to be 
the decision, I guess. No, I, d- I definitely think that the well, I, I think that the referees going over to the monitors is actually a really good thing a lot of the time. Um, just because I feel as though the only way for the game, for for example, you know, if if the ref lets a foul go on one side and then sort of as football always happens, if you give something one way, then eventually it'll come where you can give it the other way and sort of it all balances out. So I guess the ref that's on the pitch, you know, the the primary referee still has control over the game, um, whereas sort of the power could be sort of taken out of his hands uh, if sort of too much power was given to the VAR officials. And sort of say that you were a captain, for example, who who would you be speaking to if you wanted to say, look, um, can you watch out for them sort of pushing us in the back on throw-ins, for example? We, you know, if you're talking to the referee and he says, well, I can't do anything about it because um, the guys upstairs are sort of running the show then you know that sort of creates a lot of problems in itself I guess. Yeah I think also what we've been talking about so far is kind of whether VAR is actually helping to make the right decisions but I think coming back to the original question of whether it's improving sport kind of something you you were touching on a minute ago is that that waiting game whether they make the right decision or not I, I personally would argue and I think some other football fans would probably argue as well that that waiting game is kind of taking something away from the sport and the fact that you can celebrate a goal and then two minutes later that goal's taken away from you whether it's the right decision or not it does take something away from the sport and I, I personally think that it's it's making it a little bit worse yeah and I think another thing about the technology side of this which people don't tend to think about is the fact that social media gives us a chance to instantly sort of outlay our thoughts onto the world and this is something which is quite unprecedented really like apart from the past 10 years you would have time to stew over these like decisions and mistakes and at the end of the day you'd sort of be like okay I've had my time to calm down that's that but because you've got this instant sense of outrage and like you get the gratification from posting about it on social media and all this sort of stuff it creates a sort of system where you're rewarded mentally by likes retweets whatever by causing outrage in this way and i think it's just like a really interesting thing that like you see people on their phones during the games in the stadiums as well it's like created another dimension i guess to the whole sporting experience yeah i think yeah as well going back to that idea of whether it takes something away i think that's probably where my opinion of VAR goes in terms of I'm not really looking as much personally as a football fan at like whether it works exactly or whether it's improved kind of decision making but actually kind of the speed and the efficiency and what that takes away from the game and I think I don't know it's it's such a little thing but looking at goal scorers after they score having to turn to the ref to check that like the goal is going to be a goal or having to celebrate but then possibly have that taken away from them I think Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe who have obviously become a bit of a duo for Arsenal as an Arsenal fan there was a game a few months ago where they scored a goal and did like a really like a fun little celebration together afterwards and then the game was uh, the goal was taken off because of a VAR decision and they were mocked all over social media like pictures posted of the celebration saying oh you know look at them <laughs> look look like how much effort they went to for this celebration for a goal that wasn't even a goal kind of thing and it it takes away those moments but it also just kind of takes away something that was just like a very normal human error part of football like I know different people will kind of disagree and agree with this but 
I kind of liked the jeopardy and the uncertainty of like whether certain decisions would like should have actually stood or whether they shouldn't. And that was kind of just part of the game and it was accepted. Now everything is kind of like vilified and looked at in so much detail that I think it, to me, it really just does take away kind of something that was just an accepted part of the game and, and you know, made the game more interesting and exciting and kind of had fans on edge. Yeah, I think that's kind of exemplified as well by the fact that if you look at lower down in the leagues, the Championship, League One, League Two, they don't have VAR. And a lot of the fans, even though I think many fans of those kind of teams, including myself, would say that the standard of refereeing in those divisions is shocking <laughs> most of the time, but that most fans of those kind of teams don't want the introduction of VAR because it does take away that enjoyment of just celebrating a goal and not having to worry about anything afterwards. Yeah, well, I mean, initially my thoughts on it were sort of why why it was brought in, um, sort of whether it was brought in to sort of stop that absolute howler, so that sort of, you know, completely offside or that sort of blatant handball that the ref hasn't seen, um, or whether it's there to get every single decision right. Uh, and I think it's a very difficult line to draw because um, sort of what, what do you class as an absolute howler and when do you sort of get rid of that? But uh, I totally agree with you, Lauren, that sort of back in the day when you used to watch a football game and a goal would go in and you'd sort of think right you know that that's gone in let, let, let's go back now and sort of I mean on Sunday league now we, we obviously don't have VAR but you know if you score a goal where it's sort of or not not too sure whether that should be allowed or not but you know at the end of the day both teams get on with it um, and obviously it's a very different level but I mean that goes all the way up to the championship like we were saying it's sort of if, if it's not a part of the game then so if you do just have to accept it and move on um, so if it's all very well complaining about it um, and so sort of posting on social media and abusing lots of people which obviously you shouldn't do um, but at the end of the day it's happened and that's the decision you got to stick with it mm-hmm. I think kind of what I've got from this is that there's kind of two sides to that question if of if the technology improves sport one is kind of if it improves the decision making and I guess what it's there to do which I think we've kind of suggested that it does to a degree obviously it doesn't take away human error it doesn't take away subjectivity but and there is the issue of whether the rules really are totally understood for things especially offsides but on the whole it probably has improved decision making slightly more and you know there I'm sure will be improvements in the future that improve that further but I think the thing that we've kind of landed on more is whether it improves sport for the fans and the sporting experience for the fans which I think to be honest is a firm is a firm no in my opinion and I think that's probably exemplified by I spoke before about women's football and the fact that they don't have goal line technology they obviously also do not have VAR yet and the opposition to bringing VAR into the women's game is very, very strong. Whereas goal line technology is kind of begged for. Um, people think it's like the only logical next step in women's football. So I think that just kind of shows fans' opinions of it from from a kind of supporter perspective and how it changes the game for supporters watching, especially supporters watching in the grounds. Yeah, I mean, the level of decision-making that's sort of correct, I, I think it's quite hard to argue that there haven't been more correct decisions as a result of VAR. So it's sort of, if you're interested in sport being fair, and I mean fair in kind of the loosest terms, then um, I think we're all in agreement that technology has improved sport in the sense that, um, I, well, I mean, Frank Lampard's goal, for example, I'm sure that all of us, I mean, 
we, we might have been quite young at the time, but even so, there was still that heartbreak. Um, and if we'd had goal line technology, then we might have been a bit happier for it. But um, no, I think on, on the decision making front, I think it's pretty clear that it's improved it. But I mean, I agree with you again, Lauren, that the fan experience as a result of VAR, especially when you're sitting in the stadium, like we've been saying, you're sort of, you want to celebrate, but you don't want to celebrate. And then by the time it's actually called a goal, they've got the ball back to the centre spot and they're ready to they're ready to play again. So you don't get that sort of uh, time while the players themselves are celebrating to, you know, turn around in the stadium and sort of, you know, feel the atmosphere, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think partly the reason why that, that is, we've got the kind of two sides of the argument there is the fact that football is, people are so passionate about football. So it'd be interesting to see some of your opinions maybe on other sports that you're more familiar about, about whether there is the kind of two sides of the coin in, in the same sense in, in other sports or, or whether you think that um, that it's it's more of a positive because there's there's less of a kind of heated um, atmosphere kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, so um, as I've sort of said before, I'm a, I'm a very big cricket fan um, and I think the introduction of DRS has actually been a fantastic um, addition to the game. Uh, and I think obviously it couldn't be done in football um, but I think the idea that you have a certain number of reviews, for example, uh, really works well for cricket. And I mean, it would be very difficult to do with football. I mean, it, it, almost impossible, um, really. I mean, it, it's an idea that you could explore, but it just wouldn't work as well, I don't think. The thing is, though, so in field hockey, which is more comparable to football and other like, fast ball sports, there is a review system and it seems to work quite well. Um, teams get two reviews, I think it is, and they keep them if their reviews are successful or if there's not enough evidence to um, say yes or no to a review. But also it just means that the smaller like issues around decisions are less focused on. It's more about big calls which actually make a difference to the game. You're not going to get a VAR decision for like, oh, that that was a like naughty little challenge there. Oh, where like sometimes you see that in football where everybody is like, mm, that wasn't really a red card or whatever. So like in hockey, you wouldn't get that. What you'd get is, oh, that looked like it was going in. That should be a, a penalty. And I think that certainly has its merits I don't know if it would work in football but certainly in a more similar format than cricket it does work yeah I mean I think we were talking before the podcast as well about karate where there's um, a sort of VAR system again so kind of it does work in that kind of free-flowing environment I guess yeah I mean I I think this is something that's probably coming into uh, more sports but yeah just taking the example of karate it made its Olympic debut uh, in Tokyo and they had a, again a, a review system where you had a, a, a review card. You could appeal a decision. If if you were correct, then you kept the card. If 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 you were wrong, then you lost that. So I think that is something that that clearly works. I think it, it was interesting to see in karate, admittedly, um, but it did seem to work throughout the throughout the competition. And yeah, I think it, it would be interesting to see if that is going to be implemented more. That, that style of, of review is going to be implement, implemented more in uh, in other sports. Yeah, I think as has been kind of touched on, I think clearly shown by the kind of variety of sports that are, are using review systems, it could work in theory in football. But I think 
the barrier to it would be the fans and how kind of heated football fans get how it is kind of probably the biggest global sport um and and social media i think the kind of advent of using social media to scrutinize decisions as well even kind of football tv programs that are so dedicated to looking at the weekend's decisions like i think a lot of people love monday night football with um um, I was about to say Phil Neville, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Um, they dedicate so much of that, that programme to looking at the weekend's decisions and kind of riling up fans even more about it. But like you said, in a way, part of me kind of thinks, well, if there was a review system, it's down to the players in that sense. It's down to what they pick it to review and what they don't. And can you really scrutinise the decisions as much if the players decide not to review them? Um but of course, with with how football fans are, it's hard to see that they wouldn't find a way, regardless, to get riled up about it and to cause problems. So yeah, if if there's any sport that it would struggle to work in, it would be football because of that fan base. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of think with cricket, Twitter actually is a lot more toxic than people think. I know that it it, it definitely still has that sort of gentlemanly um, sort of reputation. But I mean, if anyone's gone on cricket Twitter midway through a test match especially the most recent one in Barbados um, I mean it, it, it goes beyond Twitter actually to be fair because um, I was listening to the test match special podcast and they were slating the umpiring in Barbados beyond belief um, so when you've got balls travelling down the wicket at 90 miles an hour and it's you know clipping a stump and people are going well come on like, how, how are you getting that wrong when so if you've never been in that position is sort of very interesting um but I, I think we do have to remember how high qualities, how high quality these referees are as well. Um, it's not as though they are just random fans pulled off the stadium. I mean, it, it's their job for a reason, um, and I think they get it right an incredible amount amount of the time. I mean, especially in cricket, it's pretty incredible. Everything that I've looked into about umpires getting stuff right is is very good. And I'm sure that with football, I mean, obviously there's sort of the occasional howler, especially when it's against your own team that you're never going to forget. But I mean, the level of decision-making they have. I don't know if anyone's tried being a ref before, but it's way harder than I ever thought it would be. I mean, stuff happens and everyone looks at you and you think, oh man, I've got, I've got no idea what I'm going to do here because you haven't seen it, you're not in the right place. And I think that's what we don't give the refs credit for right now. Yeah, I feel like with the TV um, deals for all of these sports as well and the hyper-focusing on refereeing decisions... I feel like it really doesn't help people lower down in their like refereeing, umpiring journeys because what happens then is you have all the parents and all the fans and friends and family of the players um, all screaming at the referees for decisions. And you've got to remember as well that for football at least, referees can start from the age of 15, I think. Um, and the abuse has got so bad that in some counties they've started to give youth child referees specific clothes to show the parents that these are kids that you're abusing, basically. And I think the technology here is definitely playing a bad impact because you've got all of this, like, attention around decisions when basically sport is there to have fun and it's to show you've got, like, a physical edge over someone. Like, it's competition, yeah. It's fun, and I just feel like it's sort of becoming a little bit too much, almost, if you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it it's deeply unpleasant to referee 
kids football especially when you're by yourself um you don't have two linesmen and a fourth official and the var there with you and i feel like that is increasing and i do wonder whether that's because of the technology and because you've got sky sports on youtube putting clips out of gary neville having a heated debate with jamie carragher saying oh yeah the referee was wrong every single weekend yeah i think i think we probably need to finish up but i think without kind of meaning to we've reached a pretty clear conclusion on our on our original question which yeah as we said across all the different sports and the variety of technology that there is it's clear that you know some sports more than others yes but it does improve the sport and the the actual sport and the decision making but it's clear that across a variety of kind of people and stakeholders involved in sports the personal aspect and the experience is is significantly kind of decreased um or impacted i guess by technology and like we said before of course the fans um and the match day experience but clearly not just that but the experience for referees as well with the abuse and and um massively increased by the kind of newfound importance of social media yeah i mean as as we've just been saying i think an important note as well is the fact that sport shouldn't be about like the refereeing i mean you know the the referee shouldn't be the star of the game uh, as far as I'm concerned and you know as sort of anyone who watches match of the day or sort of any kind of podcasts or you know a- anything about sport more and more we're seeing sort of the referees and sort of umpires and sort of where technology's failing and things like that and I think you know you do have to remember like we've been saying that we're watching sport to watch sort of competition and the best of the best go against each other and I think uh, that's definitely something that we shouldn't forget and that it's that should be the focus rather than sort of the people facilitating that good sport. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of the Redbrick Recap podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording and editing. If you would like to find out more about Redbrick as a society, you can follow us on all of our social media at Redbrick Paper or find us on our website at www.redbrick.me. There you will find instructions on how you can join us and you will also be able to access all of our digital content, which we release every day. Unfortunately, the next print edition of the paper will not be out until June, given that the next few months are in the middle of the exam season. But bye for now and I will see you next month with a new episode from our food and drink and travel sections. Sweet. Do we want to do an ending or not? Oh. Jasmine can cut out this bit. Yeah. Hope, hope you enjoyed that jazz. Um, hope you actually listen to all of this and don't publish this bit. <laughs> hope yeah. we get nominated for some kind of award for our for our brilliant work. <laughs> uh, I can't see the mouse again. Stop. Oh.